Alberto Cut. Let's go. <laughs> You're tuned into Backdoor Cut. My name is Josh Timoteo here as always with Nets in Five, Matt Beatty. Mate, it, I, I'm, I'm the oracle. I, I knew. I told you before a ball was bounced. I'm going to say this every week. Mate, don't disrespect KD. Don't respect Kyrie. Come uh, on. Put some respect on their name. He really went out well, of a limb and chose the Nets to win. The, oh, the, the please. This is so. This is so rich from from Buddenhose's bum buddy over here. (laughs) Come on. Well, speaking of, you're also here with Bucks. Got one more, Jake Eisenberg. Yes, we're still alive, baby. That's in six, (laughs) baby. (laughs) How how we've devolved, what we've come to. Well. Obviously, as you can hear, the semifinals have begun. Nets have already started a new crusade against the Bucks to wipe the floor with them as well and move to the inevitable, well, seemingly inevitable next stage. Uh, we might as well kick straight into the Nets game, seeing we're all so hot about it. Look, I'm not, I'm not happy. <laughs> I'm not going to beat around the bush. I'm not happy. I think Coach Bud has immensely disappointed everyone in the world who thought the Bucks might be different this year. The trades, got rid of Wes Matthews and Eric Bledsoe and got Drew Holiday and blah, blah, blah. It's all nothing. It's all nuffy. It's the same shit. Nothing's happening. Giannis looks impotent out there. Guys, the Bucks won yesterday. Yeah, nah, nah. The Bucks I'm won not, yesterday. Not. They, they won 86 to 83. Yeah, they cranked Durant that defense played. up. Oh, nah, 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 nah. J- James Harden's not even out there yet. Yeah, that is concerning if uh, <laughs> if he was to come back. Um, yeah. He doesn't look, I don't know if he's going to come back, and he doesn't really need to for another, um, another week or so. But, yeah, look, it's definitely been the week of um, Draymond Green oracles kind of coming true. The 82-game player versus the 16-game player. Uh, has never been more true as of as of this week. Um, I think Giannis is still being effective. Like he's still at thirty three and fourteen, but um, it's not it's not the same. No, like it's it's numbers. It's still numbers, but the effectiveness of these numbers has d- decreased dramatically. Like Giannis himself, I would argue, yesterday was not the catalyst behind their win. Well, what was then? I would say the improvements in Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton got them the win. They've been Drew playing Hol- without him in the ser- series so far. Mate, Drew Holiday was still pretty dog shit till like the last two minutes. He was four for fourteen yesterday. Offensively, yes, but he was crucial in locking down some of those Nets players. It's uh, probably one of the reasons I got to go back, but probably one of the reasons why the last two shots was taken by Bruce Brown, one of your favorites, Beatty. I think that's possibly the worst the Nets can play, and they yeah. and, and and they and they, they lost by three by. points. Yeah, <laughs> I mean Joe Harris was one from a, one of eleven. Like, the, when does that happen? Yeah. Like that just never happens. So, I yeah, obviously credit for the Bucks, and and it was good <laughs> to get a win. But like, I, I, I think what was what game game two was like a forty piece from the Nets. Uh, you almost points. you almost felt like. Bud was getting sacked like after that game. It was that bad. Yeah. Um, obviously, they've salvaged, salvaged a little bit of respect in this series. And hey, they might go take another game. It, it, Jake's, Jake's sitting on that island and, and we'll back him with that. But yeah, I, I, I thought Giannis, again, yeah, Giannis on the box score was fine. Like he, he's made his contribution. I, I think it's more so everyone else as well. Like, I mean, outside of Chris and, and Giannis, no one really contributed in terms of points. Oh, man. I mean, yeah. But like, yeah, the like, if you didn't watch the game, you're like, okay, Giannis, you know, had a great game. But if you, you know, as we did, and watch him take eight pull-up threes, he made one of them at the end. But they're just, they're wasted possessions. He's shooting like 10% on threes in the playoffs. And it's partly on Giannis, but this this bud thing is, is getting out of hand, man. Like, how is that part of the plan when... If he takes zero threes and those eight possessions are just Giannis attacking the rim, I can guarantee you that he ends up with more than three points. 
Yeah. There's no way. There's no way you get the three points on eight possessions. Especially, especially against the Nets. This has been the biggest disappointment to me so far. Who on the Nets is going to stop Giannis at the rim? There isn't anyone on that team that is. Yeah. So why is he not attacking the rim? Well, really, they're doing it. It's it's also like it's it's a gang thing, right? You, you just gotta get you gotta build that wall. Is that he's one of those guys where you just gotta get bodies in there, and then I guess ideally, if he's able to then pick the pass and and sort of really just play a driving kick game. I mean, they've got the shooters around him, but it just hasn't really played out that way so far. Like the the video that's made the rounds today, it's it's Giannis, and the the caption is Giannis really has no bag, right? And it's just. Blake Griffin playing five feet off him, and it looks like me trying to break down Beatty one on one, and it's not going very well. And but it's like, okay, Giannis isn't that guy. Why is that? Is the plan to have him isolate at the top of the key every every single every single time? Why not use him in different ways over and over again? Use him like they they use him as a screener a lot, but then they just keep going back to this thing. It's the most easy defense to play. The Celtics have been doing it for years. Everybody that's been playing against the Bucks in the playoffs for the past three years, just know you, you heard Steve Nash and those those um, wired inside tracks saying he's like keep building keep building the wall, get back, keep building the wall, and it's like yeah, you just suck in, and and that's, and that's it. it. <laughs> and he's not, it's a yeah. joke how and simple I, it is. I don't think he's a good enough a playmaker or passer to be able to then utilize. I mean, you can make the comparison to to Ben Simmons, right? Where Ben is a good passer and. The Sixers have made a, a conscientious effort to get shooters around him this year, and it's it's kind of worked to, to try and minimize his limitations in other areas on offense. Where for Giannis, you know, in the regular season, he can kind of just cruise and and be bigger and stronger and jump higher and be more athletic. But in terms of like basketball skill and and different things, like he just doesn't. He still hasn't really developed a lot of aspects of his game, and and I think that's it's just getting shown again and again in the postseason. They're trying to turn him into Kawhi, LeBron, uh, Jason Tatum. These these wings that can actually play make and, and shoot pull up KD, but he's not yeah. that. He's a he's a twenty twenty one version of Shaq, and they need to like lean into that. Otherwise, yeah. they're going to lose the series, and they're going to keep banging their heads against the wall. It's it's, a, it's embarrassing, dude. I mean, Beatty, you said it before the podcast. Talk about eighty two game players. What about 80, 82 game coaches? But I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it's embarrassing, dude. To, to and like all season they were practicing this switching defense, and then they go away from it in the in the play playoffs against a team where you want to, to switch everything. Like the Celtics had pretty solid success against the you know considering who the fuck was on the court, um, switching all of the actions, and and the Bucks just go straight back to to this drop coverage with Brook Lopez just like floundering in the middle. Um, but yeah, the I actually didn't even notice that Joe Harris went one for eleven, um, and lo, a lot of those were open threes. Like you just every like one of seven of, from three. Yeah, yeah. like oh. he's oh, he's one of those guys where anytime he shoots, is like that's going in. Yeah. You feel good about it. Mm. So that that's a real aberration of a game for him. Yeah, I mean he, he was what like top three in the league this year on on catch and shoot the threes or threes in general. Yeah. Uh, it's it's like I feel, I feel semi confident, not confident, but I would feel better as a Bucks fan because it doesn't seem that difficult at times to put up points. Like early in game one, early in game three, they're going downhill, they're getting to the rim, they're, they're brutalizing them, and then the feeble mindedness that seeps into this team through Budenholzer's uh, philosophies, it just starts jacking threes, and it's just oh. and so my point was going to be. My point was going to be much the same in that, like, we can't really knock uh, Giannis for, oh, you haven't developed enough of your ball handling or playmaking, your bag's not deep enough, blah, 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 when really he shouldn't be dipping into a bag at all. Like, I, I agree with Jake. He should be sat at the dunker spot, put the ball in an actual ball handler's hands, and, mm-hmm. like, the rest will sort itself out. I, I've thought long and hard this series about, what kind of coach would have got more out of this Bucks team? <clears throat> and I know we shit on him from time to time, but I reckon Doc Rivers, if he was in charge of these Bucks, there's no way he wouldn't put Giannis in a position to maximize Giannis. Not try and 
put him on and, you know, let him, let's see how many things you can do. He would just put him under the rim and say, make your space, box out, get the ball and dunk the shit out of it. I think Bucks would be so much better off. I think there's a lot of coaches that would do better. And I think there's almost a hundred percent chance that we see a new coach, even if they don't, even if they make the final somehow, I don't, mm. I don't see it happening. Um, unless they win the title, I don't see how Bud ends up like back on this team again. It's just you just need to get him out of there, dude. Get something new going. I yeah, yeah I don't. I I agree with all that. And usually, I'm I'm always like, let's fire the coach. That that <laughs> is my default position. But I I don't know. Like it's one of those ones as well where like I think a lot of the points you guys have made are, are correct. But uh, the tantalizing thing with Giannis is obviously him in transition, like. <laughs> it's like two dribbles and I'm at the basket. And I, I think that's where, you know, to go away from that, you, you are reluctant. But at the same time, yeah, he needs more. There needs to be more sort of variety in their overall team offense. And it can't mm-hmm. just be the same sort of him, you know, battering Ram, trying to get to the rim where obviously the defense is kind of schemed for it. They need to have other things. And it's. I think that's where Chris Middleton becomes important and it's really only – what in game the game yesterday where he actually had a good game the first two games he was very quiet so yeah and I like you know first middle, two games awesome. they were playing him almost spot up guy though he wasn't he wasn't creating he wasn't in the half court dribbling around he was he was a little bit but he look man uh, Chris Milton is not Jason Tatum he's not some of these elite guys KD man he's he, he's picking up the the best half-court scorer on, on teams so far through the playoffs a lot of the time, whether it's Tatum or now Middleton. And uh, he's he's playing at an insanely high he's level. He had job, yeah. four steals and a block yesterday. Uh, he, mm. he's, kind of all, he's kind of everywhere. And Middleton's not really that level of guy where he's going to be able to carry you against, yeah. some, against someone like I, that. Yeah. I, I think as well, like we've always been quick to talk about the nets and their defense and, and that's a possible, you know, weakness for them. But I, I mean, again, I think they just, this is a team where it's just, Oh, we'll start trying now because it's the playoffs. And I, I think that they've actually been like Kyrie's been kind of okay. They've all been reasonably serviceable. Like they're not, again, they're not going to be league leading defense, but whatever it was in the regular season has been ramped up, you know, three notches kind of thing. Yeah, it has, but at the, like, I keep going back to the Celtics series, but the, the Nets defense was maybe maybe they ramped it up, but I honestly think it has more to do with the Bucs. And what is just confounding to me, the Bucs had a top five offense this year, which is why I was buying it. I'm like, you just look at it, okay? One of the best defenses, they can at least mm. attempt to slow down the Nets. That's proved to be mostly wrong. They've just missed shots in game three. And then offensively, they, I don't know, they just look like they're back in 2017 again. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe this is a good opportunity for us to move on to who the Nets will likely, well, I assume the Nets are going to make the conference finals from everything we've seen so far, who they might play in those conference finals because Philly and Atlanta are in the midst of a series themselves and Atlanta Mm. isn't proving to be a complete rollover. I still think, I think I called it last week, that Philly would win the next uh, however had, many games to wrap it up 4-1. You had Philly in five. Um, yeah, and Philly in five. Brady had Philly in six or seven from memory now. Yeah. Um, and I'm the only one who took the Hawks. Um, we we watched the first half of this game before starting recording. And this is this is probably uh, my favorite series of this round so far. Um, just an interesting stylistic matchup. You've got this super... Man, when, when they threw out Fiebel, Simmons, and Embiid, today it, it looks like they have nine players on the court at the same time yeah There's they are so many massive um, the, the problem on the other end though is and, and the, the hawks actually have a pretty pretty good defense and considering coming into the season i thought that they were going to have one of the worst defenses in the league they've they've really put put something together on that end um you've got simmons and bible out there at the same time you're you've got you're playing three on five offensively and like as, as good as Simmons is, is, oh man, this is another rabbit hole. But yeah, he's just hanging around in the dunker spot doing his thing. Thibel, he's not, he almost missed a layup with no one five feet around him today. Um, you just have nothing outside of Embiid, and it makes it so much easier to double team him 
but because he's so incredible, they're still putting points on the board. Um, and we did see Danny Green go down with an injury, which put um, Cork Mars in, who had like 11 points bang straight off the bench. Um, this Philly bench is kind of feels like the swing factor. You know, game two, it was basically tied until Shake Milton came on and had like a 14-point quarter who had done nothing the entire playoffs. And then now we'll see what happens in this game. But um, I think this goes back and forth. I still I still like I still like the Hawks um, to, to get it done. But I think it goes six or seven. I think I'm still sticking with Philly. Ooh. Like, I, I, in, there in is five. a world. <clears throat> yeah, I think in five too. Like, I think the, the Hawks shocked Philly with – not shocked. It's not like they've never played before. But the Hawks maybe surprised Philly with how many different options and looks they could throw out there. And maybe they weren't quite prepared for that, but they've had a second to adjust now. Ben is all over Trey Young, even though Trey Young's still doing really well to wriggle free and get his. Joel's dominating. Uh, Seth Curry's playing great. The bench is playing pretty good. Uh, Tobias Harris is there. Like they can just pound. He's the there. Hawks. That's for sure. He's he, no, he's doing good. Tobias Harris is <laughs> an unsung hero of this team, but I I, I still think. The sheer size and strength is enough to just beat the Hawks into submission. Um, yeah, it should be. It should be. I kind of was taking the Embiid injury thing as well. I thought that maybe he wouldn't uh, be able to handle it, but I don't know. It's it's fake injury. It's a yeah. He know. he seems to regularly come back from injuries like they didn't even happen. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know, but. Um, but yeah, I don't know, Beatty. You're I, I, I think the the switch up on defense for the Sixers since game one. So what Trey had 35 in game one, and I, I think they've managed to, to keep him under 25 in, in well, game two and, and game three is on right now. I, I think that's probably been a big difference. Uh, aside from that, on offense, I don't know. Phillies are very we've, – we've talked about Phillies offense so many times, and it's – I want, yeah, in the longer term picture, depending on what happens with Danny Green, that'll be interesting. But I think Seth Curry is incredibly important for this team in terms of spacing and, and just another guy who can handle the ball and be a creator. But he's not really, you know, top level at that. But he's kind of what they need. They need they need to they need that from him, and they need that from Shake Milton or Tyrese Maxey or George Hill or whoever it might be off the bench. So. It's it's sort of you're sort of putting yourself in this situation where you need these guys to produce, and uh, you know I think that they have so far. I think the defense is going to be enough to get them through, but then I don't know. Maybe Trey explodes again, and and that's how Atlanta are going to have to. I think that's the way for Atlanta to try and claw themselves back into this series. Yeah, and you know I know you, I know Australian Ben Simmons. I know the whole thing. I know you guys love him, but you talk about 16 game versus 82 game players. Uh, this dude is not exactly built for the playoffs um, at the highest level. I think maybe they get through the, the Sixers, I mean, the Hawks here. But, I mean, you can't have this guy putting up six points per game against the Nets. I, I simultaneously agree and disagree. I agree in that, yes, you can't have this guy putting up six points against the Nets because that's not good enough. He can get by anyone to the rim with no effort at all. It is the easiest thing in the world, and he just true, doesn't do it. it. It's, it's not true. It, I don't know it's what you're true. watching. What are you watching it's, anymore? It's true. He can get he by his man so easily. No, he can't. He spin, that no, game he played at, it can't get past him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe in a, in a lot of situations, yeah, if the defense is set and he's – up on the three-point line, then they're just going to sag off him. He yeah, and the Nets defense is always set because they make the, their baskets 50% of the time. Yes. That's damn right. Yes, but what I'm saying here is I'm getting – I'm losing my train of thought. I was up very early this morning. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Here we go. What I'm saying here is Ben, six points – Yes, he might not be able to get it by his man every single time if the defense is set, but there'll be more than enough opportunities in a game for Ben Simmons to get more than six points. He pulls down eight rebounds a game. That's eight fast break opportunities right there. I mean, he had three defensively though. Defensively though, 
He has been out of this world in the playoffs, and that is going to be crucial in absolutely any matchup they've got moving forward. And if they are to compete with the Nets, that's the only reason. Yeah, look, I am genuinely excited if they get through the Hawks to see Ben Simmons matched up on Kevin Durant. That would be awesome. Mm. And if he's able to to have an impact on Kevin Durant, he'll be the first one to do it since, um, I don't know, Kevin Durant was like 12. And and <laughs> so that will, and, and that will just doesn't matter what you're doing on the court outside of that. If you're able to do that, then I don't care if you put up yeah. negative, negative two points. Um, but that remains to be seen. I yeah I look I know I know your point and I know what you're getting at Jake blah, 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 whatever <laughs> I I don't know like the guy again we're gonna make we'll go back to the to the Oracle Draymond Green I feel like Ben is in the mold of Draymond Green and Draymond Green's a guy that would not necessarily impact the box score but you wouldn't necessarily say that he's not a playoffs guy and I mean no. obviously obviously it helps when you're playing with fucking Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, right? And I think that's that's a fair observation to make because Ben is not playing with those guys, but Ben's playing with Joel Embiid and Joel Embiid's pretty good. Obviously it's a different kind of a fit and the team is built in a different way. But I I don't know. Like I am more optimistic that Ben Simmons will lean in more towards the Draymond Green in the playoffs rather than the Giannis in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I guess that's, I feel like he has been that where yeah, he has been so far, but at the same time, like let's let's give them a proper test. You know, that's you know, that's what next series if they can get maybe Atlanta if they they can make something of this series. But I, mean, I think that, that's where we're at. That's I, what that. kind of what I was getting at with the agree and disagree. I d- I disagree that Ben's not a playoff player because he has been playing really good. Um, but I agree in that offensively, it's a bit of a joke that he's finishing a game. Because Draymond Green might finish with that many points, but Draymond Green isn't Ben Simmons. You know, Ben Simmons yeah, is it, now you're enormous. Just making, now you're yeah. making a deal because he was drafted first overall, and that's that's where people start to yeah. who cares? No, 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 no. Like that. Not, well, not why, why, are you, why are you saying? Oh, he's Ben Simmons versus he's Draymond Green. What difference does it make? Because Draymond Green is like slow, pudgy, short, like literally looking at him. He's not. Nah. Ben, ben Simmons, seven foot tall, could run the full court in three seconds. Dude, you can't shoot. They're so comparable body wise. Like, like Ben's a little bit bigger. Like a little bit. I think he's much. I think he's much bigger. I think he's much faster. Yeah, maybe I, not as it's strong. More, it's more from the skill set point of view, right? And obviously, his handle is unbelievable. Yeah, but it's not. It's not Kyrie Irving. It's not Steph Curry. Like it's not. Kyrie it's Irving's not, not that height. That's my point. If there's no one else in the NBA that size who can handle like that, what's the point of having that handle if you're not going to be able to get to the rim in the half court? And that's the thing. The hand, he has a nice handle when it comes to transition and stuff. And Draymond Green might only put six points up, but his impact on the offense is significant. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, and Draymond Green is not parked in the dunker spot. I, yeah. I definitely, I think that's a, a massive distinction between the two. In if we're going to compare them, I, I, I and I, I think, and I know you'll want to bring this up, Jake. Obviously, the, the record for the Sixers in previous years in the playoffs has not been excellent. You know, that I think the honestly, in my opinion, the only one that really you should look at with any sort of grain of salt is that Raptors series, and obviously they lost that in the second round, Game Seven. Mm. Ben wasn't there last year; he was injured. Prior to that, well, they had a, a run that first Ben's rookie season, even like that was yeah, a, yeah. they they didn't really make a splash in the playoffs, but yeah, they went down in five to the Celtics, I think, from memory. Yeah, so it's <laughs> it's sort of in many ways, I think this is really like they're still just finding their feet in the playoffs. Like this is they haven't had a proper like as a, as a team. This is this is one of their first sort of proper runs. You know, we can't all be. The Celtics dunking on LeBron in Game Seven of, a, of an Eastern Conference Final, you know, it doesn't really all it's work true. out that way. It's true. Um, no, look, I'm, I'm being I'm being harsh. He's actually been, he's been really really good on the defensive end, and he, he does all the little things. He's crashing the offensive glass. He's, he's doing everything else. Um, I just think that when you're there's a situation where we've got hacker ban and all that kind oh, of stuff. Oh, absolutely. It, I, I, yeah. he, he's he's going to have to finish games and finish quarters. He has to be on the court, right? But at yeah. the same time. The hacking thing is a totally legitimate thing. The fact that that guy can't shoot free throws is is a massive concern. Yeah. We've it's been a, a a topic of discussion for us in the chat 
for most of these playoffs for multiple teams. So it's like ten years now. Yeah, it's he's not the only guy, but certainly there will come a time potentially in this series, or if they manage to get through in the next series, where he might get exploited again, and that's that's something that they're going to have to try and work out. Yeah, and I, yeah, I'm I'm more talking about at the highest level, like if, if they have to play the Nets, those those warts are really gonna really yeah. gonna show. Um, how how we were to, you guys were just saying how like I'm arguing Ben can beat his man and get to the rim. How much do you think of him? How should I word this? Do you think Ben Simmons would get to the rim more if he knew he could hit his free throws? Is it a mental thing that's stopping him from attacking every single time? Because I believe he could yeah. if he wanted to. And maybe that, that I don't have the evidence because he just doesn't do it because he doesn't think he can hit his free throws. Uh, yeah, look, I think there's part of that. I see him drive all the time and get quite deep into the to the paint. To the paint. But I think most of that's in transition. Um, that's fine. And he, he looks to pass. He reminds me of Hayward when he came back from uh, the injury where he was got deep into the paint and had the chance to, to finish and draw contact and doesn't. And that's probably – and that's a confidence thing. So mm. uh, I don't know. Giannis and Simmons and so many of these guys should definitely learn to shoot on the hand free throws. It blows my mind that they don't try. Like why? I it think just, it's just that it must just be it's humiliating. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But if you come back and shoot sixty percent or seventy percent, no one's going to be laughing anymore when you have got the Larry O'Brien trophy up above your head. Or just you better though shoot free <laughs> yeah. throws. Like how how hard yeah. is it? Like, yeah. and I mean the thing with Ben has always been like he's not actually a lefty and he should shoot with his yeah. right. I just, I don't know. It's just everything about his shot just looks weird, and obviously he doesn't want to work on it or doesn't want to get better at it. But I I don't know. Like it's I I think the distinction between the half court and the f- sort of transition offense is the big thing there. And I, like I I don't think Ben can when when defenses are sagging off him like he. That's why he's parked in the dunker spot because at the top he just can't do anything. If if you've got his guy sagging, you know, five six feet off him, he should either take the take the three, bro, or you know, what are you doing? Like get get him off the ball and get him in the dunker spot. I don't think it's been that much of an issue because I think that the Sixers have dealt with this all year and that they've found ways to try and. But it's becoming more of an issue because it's the playoffs and there's more half court and it's he doesn't get transition buckets as easily. Yep, I'm. I'm here. I'm here with you. Um, we'll but I, I, all right. I feel. I feel like the Sixers will be fine in this series. I'm optimistic. I mean, they're 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 rolling in this game three right now. Uh, tell me. That's yeah. Right. <laughs> all right. Well, maybe we'll we'll save the preview for a potential Nets uh, Philly matchup for next week because there's probably still a few games to go. In the meantime, let's head west, where your boys, Beatty, the Utah Jazz, are commanding. Commanding the feeble Clippers, and I am here for it. Like, Beatty has half the teams left in the playoffs. <laughs> like, well, you know, I've lost a couple already. I, I pulled <laughs> one out for the Lakers. I pulled one out for the Blazers. <laughs> Come on. There's 30 yeah. teams in the league, man. you got to spread your seed. <laughs> I mean, hey, talk about 16-player 16, 16 games. The Don. The Don. The Don. Put some respect on the Don's name. Okay. Come on. He um he was red hot yesterday. He was in in that first half in particular. You know, I I was a little bit cautious heading into these playoffs with him. I, I thought last year in the bubble he, he definitely was could have been a candidate for you know a bit of a bubble bubble. He could have been a Jamal Murray. You know if you want to be one of those people, the Lakers. It doesn't. It's a Mickey Mouse. Blah blah blah. I thought <laughs> that situation in that first round last year with Denver, where dudes were just dropping fifty like it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Was it could have been a little bit of an aberration, but he's been excellent in the games that he played against Memphis, and and certainly in the first two games against the Clippers, it, it maybe belies a little bit of the conventional thinking with him because he's a bit of a smaller sort of a guard, and and typically in the playoffs you kind of want someone who's a bit bigger, or whatever. But like he's been great, I, I, you mm-hmm. can't doubt that, and certainly the the first two games have have looked good for Utah. Dude. He, he's only small in height, though. He is built like a brick shit house. Oh, he's got the wingspan, and yeah, obviously he's a strong dude. He's quick. He's athletic. Like he's got all of that. It's just more. I don't know. Again, it's one of these things where if it slows down, I think the knock on Utah in previous seasons certainly offensively has been them again in the half court, and 
whether or not they can generate enough offense. But I, I think this year in particular, they've really looked a lot different. They've they've really sort of bought into the three point shooting and they're probably the the best three point shooting team in the league, certainly one of if if not, they they've looked at times this year almost like um sort of D'Antoni's Rockets where it's almost to the point where it's like it's a bit you don't want to watch them because it's a bit ugly it's just so much so much so much spam three-point shooting but at the same time like that's their offense and and to an extent in the playoffs it hasn't really whether it's Grizzlies or or now the Clippers they haven't been able to slow them down so of course they're going to keep shooting so they that first game I think game one against the Grizzlies they they dropped and they they shot terribly from three, yeah. so that's that's the recipe. If you want to try and beat these guys, you you got to somehow run them off the three point line and and get Gobert into foul trouble. But it's almost that, impossible. Been good. Yeah, yeah. How do you run them off the three point line when Don is constantly breaking the defense down and Rudy Gobert is seven foot three directly underneath the rim? Yeah, look, you talk about someone who can beat their man off the dribble every single time, uh, and it, it's it's Donovan. I can't believe every time that I remember that he's six foot one because when I watch him play, he does not strike me as someone who's the same height as Chris Paul or someone same size as Kemba. He 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 he. You watch him and he feels like he's six foot five or something. Oh, easy, easy. Uh, he man, he's averaging like forty points on 50-50 shooting it through the yeah. through the first two games. And he's been looking. You even go back to his rookie season against, um, like, the Thunder again with Paul George and uh, Carmelo, and last year in the bubble, and this year again. And he's been someone. Whenever we do our, you know, under twenty five list, I've always have him like right in that top five um, kind of spot because like when you watch him play, especially in the playoffs, not just the production but the the mentality. He's just playing with that that level of intensity that that you love to see and. Um, Utah is one of those places where the the environment is just so intense, um, and that's probably been one of my favorite parts of this week has been the the valley and oh and, yeah and the getting, Utah getting crowds getting playoff yeah. crowds is yeah you can really feel it through through the TV and you I miss that and Utah is no doubt about it one of those places that's incredibly difficult to play so um, by no means I think the series is done but Donovan Mitchell has been so impressive and. Um, you know, I've, I'm I'm definitely a uh, Rudy Gobert uh, hater. Um, I was really I was really popping off uh, on Rudy the last couple of days in the chat. He's basically you know a taller Ivica Zubac, um, sending memes of him crying about the All Star thing. Um, if he could just when he if he's going to complain, just complain like an adult, like complain like LeBron as opposed to like a four year old, like jumping up and down and um, looking like a seven foot three baby. Um, but honestly, I was happy for him yesterday because I know how much hate that he gets and how much he cares. And he had a nice little sequence with some defense and some offense and the whole crowd shouting, Rudy, Rudy, which is kind of ironic because that movie with Rudy um, is like the kid that wasn't supposed to make the team or wasn't very good and ends up being good. And everybody's like, yeah, Rudy, good for you. And I was like, you know what? I'll give you this moment, Rudy. Let, let him have it. <laughs> yeah, let him have it. Um, but he was he – was, he was dominant yesterday on on the defensive end, and and that's and that's what he can do. Um, on the other side of things, I mean, pandemic. There's really back. nothing to talk about. Yeah, the, these Clippers suck. No, they don't. They don't. Uh, suck. I'm not gonna, no, they don't. Suck. No, it's 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 literally as simple as Paul George, dude. It's that simple. He was four for seventeen in game one, and they could have. The Clippers punched early, and they were up big. And if he plays at like a, a Paul George level, they win that game. And this, and then in game two, he tricks he tricks everybody that didn't watch into thinking that his game was okay with eight for eighteen. But two of those buckets and free throws were were at the end of the game. Um, I don't think there's been anyone who has quite a precipitous drop from their regular season play, like All NBA, to what he's doing. I've been comparing it to Jeff Teague for the past week. It's incredible. I, I don't think he actually has that much of a drop. I think what? in the regular. No, hang on, hang on, hang on. Hear me, let me hear me out. Hear me out. In the, <laughs> in the in the regular season, his numbers are by and large the same thing. And I think in the regular season, the intensity around it, the pressure of these situations, that crunch time end of the games, it's just not a playoff game. In the regular season, that nuffiness is enough to win. It's enough to roll over the 
the Kings on a Thursday in Sacramento. Like it, it's just not that big a deal. But then once those moments and those plays really, really matter and they falter, he has nothing. He can't just turn it around. If you're shooting four of 17, that's a problem. It doesn't matter whether it's regular season player. Like that's you, you're expected to be one of the top scorers for your team, and if you you're just not making that many buckets, then it's it's going to be an issue. And I think that's that's kind of where it sort of starts and ends with Paul George for me. It's just like he just needs to just make more shots. It's simple, but it just needs to make more shots. He takes enough of them no, to make more. But I I agree, and I think. I think it often gets forgotten that during the regular season he has nights just like that. It's just then he'll have five games where he shoots eight from ten and it boosts all of his overall stats and it makes it seem no, like he's always great. But he he has shockers all the time. No, man. Like, I'm looking at his, his regular season playoff splits. It, they're so different. 47-40. 41 in the regular season this year, and he's down to 43 and 31. Last season, he was 33% from three and below 40% from the field in the playoffs. Like, pandemic P is, is it's not a joke. And if he plays at his regular season level, dude, he was an MVP candidate in the regular season a couple of years ago. And then All-NBA, All-Star. He, Reggie Jackson is by far the second best player on this team at the moment. Yep. Like, I honestly think they should take Paul George off and put Luke Kennard in. It's that bad. That's so... It's crazy. Reggie Jackson is not, he should not, should I say, be the second best player on this team. He could barely get a game for the Pistons. This is craziness. Well, he was incredibly important in that Dallas series towards the end. And yeah, I, I think he has been really good in the, the first two games of, of, of this series. I, I, the thing with Paul George, I don't know. Like, I, I don't know how, I don't know what, I, I th- yeah, at the moment, everything just says that this guy's not good in the playoffs. I, I don't know what it's inexplicable to me. Like, how do you, if you're Ty Lue, what can you try and do? What kind of adjustments do you make to try and get more out of him? I don't know. I, the other thing with Dude. this team that kind of trips me out, like, I, I think on paper, you kind of look at the Clippers and be like, yeah, this should be a good defensive team. You've got two good wing defenders in Kawhi and, and Paul George. You've got other guys on the roster in different positions that can defend. But I, I, I think it becomes a thing where they're also important for your offense and then you don't want to burn them out too much on defense. I think Ty Lue's tried to switch it around a little bit and not have Kawhi guard the best player on the other team and then the best player on the other team proceeds to burn them. So it's sort of just like, well, now I need to guard. Now Kawhi needs to guard this guy and then he just needs to come down the other end and score all our points. So it's that's the sort of the priorities that Ty Lue needs to juggle right now. If I'm Kawhi, I'm so over Paul George. Like the defensive part is such a good point, Beatty. Like, he got, you know, again, all defensive team buzz. And in the playoffs, it's he's not that guy yeah. at all. Joe, mate, Joe Ingles is, is burning him. He's, yeah. he's, he's nightmares. Yeah. I love Joe Ingles. Yeah. Love Joe I, Ingles. Oh, my God. I, I honestly think a lot of this is it's just anxiety. Like, it, yeah. it could not remind me more of uh, Toronto or even Spurs, DeMar DeRozan where he'd, he'd play fine all season long and then you'd get to the playoffs and he can't get a bucket. If you if he bought one, he couldn't get a bucket. It's, That's it's, a really good comparison. I don't know what it is. It's just there's something about the moment, there's something about the stage, the intensity of it all, and they crumble before they've even stood on the court. Yeah, it's it's definitely mental because he's got all the skill in the world. Like we, we see it in yeah. the regular season. It's obviously mental. Um, yeah. He's, he's, he, he, most of the game, he just spends his time like in in crying face, in sad face. Mm. Because and the problem is that not getting that 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 stuff's contagious, man. If you're out there visibly quaking in your boots, and yep. these guys who have played with you every game all season long can see you quaking in your boots, they're not going to feel very confident. Like you know, you're not going to win very much. And like Donovan Mitchell, you know, he's had a couple of playoff games where he and he's, you know, six for 15 in the third quarter. But you never doubt him. But, but you, you can just tell by the way that he's playing and, and shooting that it, it's a completely different, like, confidence yeah. and body language. You, you still back Donovan Mitchell in the fourth quarter, even if he's been shooting like shit. Paul George, 100%. you're like, is this, this can only get worse. There's no way this gets better. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, so, I mean, maybe, obviously, Utah is a place to play. Going back to LA, 
We'll see. Yeah, I mean, they've, they've done what they needed to do so far. I, I don't think, I'm not heavily leaning into Utah here right now. They're, yeah. they're, they've held up home court. Let's see what happens in game three. I, I, I can't believe we're saying this, but I agree with you, Jake. I think you mentioned it. I think Luke Kennard needs to get more minutes. He needs to play more. He needs to be, he almost really needs to be in the starting lineup or the first guy off the bench. Like his, his shooting, his spacing in particular is incredibly important. Yeah, but then I guess you know, John, I mean, Donovan was just t- tearing him apart in the game end, one. Yeah. Uh, yep. That's that's just got to be a, I mean, a, a Kawhi thing at some point. It's just got to be he needs to fight over those screens. Um, but man, when Don's playing like this and he's splitting those double teams, there's not not a whole lot um, you can do. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is a, this is a big reason why last week I was saying I thought this would be a really big. Don series because other than Kawhi, I don't think there's anyone on the Clippers that can actually guard him, and Kawhi can't guard him every so possession of the game. So he's gonna go off, and he has been going off. I don't know how they're gonna stop that. And now Ibaka's out until yeah. next season. That's a bummer, and it's not not looking good in Clipperland. Yep, yep. Early days, not writing them off, but I mean, uh, I'm not feeling super confident with my pick, Clippers pick after those first two games. Uh, Kawhi's going to need to say he's going to need to be Kawhi going to that next level again, which is what he did in the in the Mavs series. The problem mm. is the Jazz are, are a superior team, that's for sure. I don't, I just don't know if he's got the legs to do that every series. He needs help. Yeah, he does, and no one, no one can do it alone. I think another factor here as well, right? Mike Conley hasn't played a minute mm. in the series, similar to Harden on the Nets in in that series. So, you know, Utah have been able to do it without one of their better players so far. So. Yeah, it's 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 sort of a, a luxury of haves and haves nots. We're talking about Kawhi needing help, and then you know Utah have the luxury of sitting one of their the better guys and, and yeah. still getting getting the the job done. Yeah, you, you you're not going to bring Conley back before Game Five. I mean, yeah, like you, you, yeah, I, I don't think there's any rush to same sort of situation in Brooklyn. Yeah. Like, there's no rush. You've obviously done what you need to on home court. I think the Joe Ingles thing worked well in Game Two. Yeah. So let's just run that back again and, and see how it goes. Yeah, prize your time. I mean, um, good transition, I reckon, because I'm just thinking about I'd, – I, I'd forgotten Conley for a second there, and you bring him back. This team is awesome, and I think the West is going to be a case of one seed, two seed, maybe the East as well, but those are maybe just the best two teams. And I Yeah, I it's, it's really hard to not look forward to too much, but at the same time, a, a Suns-Jazz series would be – Amazing. Incredibly fun, yeah. It'd be amazing. Yeah. Speaking of which, should we take it yeah. home? Yeah, let's let's tuck into the the last series and pro- game one at least was one of the funnest games of the playoffs so far, in my opinion. Yeah. Um, Nuggets versus Suns. Suns are leading this one two to nothing. I think, in my opinion, this is just a case of the Nuggets are missing one of their star guys and they don't have the power to drag it along without him against such a good team. Like if you're versing the Suns in seven games and they're full strength, you need all your guys. And they just, Jamal Murray is a creator off the bounce. He's Jokic's right-hand man, curls off screens, creates offense in of itself and he's not there. He's hurt. So what can they do? Yeah, and it's not even just uh, Murray being gone now. Now Porter's rocking up yeah. with his- the heating pad on his back and he mm. went three for 13 and <clears throat> if you're not going to get production out of Porter then this is this is no no shot you know Jokic yeah. had Jokic had 24 13 and six and that's that's he might. okay but I mean he for him, them to have a shot he's going to need to go like 40 point triple double level um but without all these weapons it's it allows Phoenix yeah. to just close in on Jokic and well, yeah, let ex- the rest happen exactly um and so, yeah, you don't want to write them off after two games, but if Porter's hurt, and I mean, Will Barton had a nice little game, came come back, but um, they just don't have the firepower to keep up with this Phoenix team. Yeah, I, I mean, it's 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 pretty cliche, but it's it's something that comes around every year. But it's just, yeah, the teams that can stay health, healthy generally, you know, they, if they get that luck with injuries they're going to probably go further than the teams that don't. And yeah, Jamal Murray, I don't know. Like they didn't, they seemed to get through the Blazers reasonably okay. There was a few scares there, but it wasn't a, a cruise, but certainly, you know, good enough team to get through that. But I, I just really like this Phoenix. This Phoenix team oh, is just, 
so well balanced. And again, they've had pretty good luck with injuries. Obviously, the Chris Paul shoulder thing was a bit of a scare, but he's managed to play through that and, and he looks like his old self again. He, it's, it seems like it's not an issue anymore. Um, yeah, but they're, they're just incredibly well balanced on offense and, and defense. They're, they're just a, a really deep, well balanced team. Yeah. I think it's worth noting in the playoffs so far, they've been much better defensively than Trailblazers were. Like oh, yeah. Jokic in that series was coming up against Nurk, who was always in foul trouble, and then Ennis Cantor, who sure as shit is not going to stop the most skilled big man in history. Yeah, man, the, you talk about balance and depth. Like, I mean, in the most recent game, they went they went twelve deep almost. Even Kaminsky got in on the fun. Yeah, but it's like sixteen from Bridges, eleven from Crowder, fifteen from Aiton, eighteen from Booker, seventeen from from Paul. Saric even got in there, our guy, and um, and Torrey Craig's been like really, really valuable. I don't know Big why the Bucks, rotation. Yeah, the Bucks, the Bucks had him on the team. Yep. Um, I don't know how someone like that just bounces around um, because. He's he's been legitimately excellent through that. Um, we we touched on it with Utah, and and I, I can't remember which game it was, but it, it was a Cameron Payne like alley oop pass to Tory yeah. Craig, and the the roof just ripped off, off. erupted. Yeah, yeah. insane. Yeah, awesome. that was that was, that was the moment, moment, of moment of the playoffs. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that was that was sick. Yeah, because it was just play, play, and play, and then just got capped off by the Cameron Payne, Tory Craig alley oop, and you got. People just like taking their clothes, <laughs> taking it in the stands. He was, he was like Woodstock out here. He was even Cameron. Yeah, even Cameron Payne though. Like, if he's not the perfect uh, personification of the transformation this Suns team has gone through, like this guy, he couldn't make the Bulls bench when they sucked, and now he's out here playing serious minutes behind Chris Paul. Yeah, man. Um, they've just done a great job up and down the roster. Mikel Bridges, I mean, how badly do the Sixers need him? I mean, he's he's incredible. Um, Jay Crowder, I mean, he, he's been playing on conference finals and finals playoff teams for five years now. He just like yeah. is a constant. He he brings toughness. He, he's he, he's the guy where even if he's zero for seven, um, he's gonna he's gonna at least feel confident shooting the next one. Uh, <laughs> Which which might not always be, be and then the thing. next night he'll go seven of seven, and yeah. it's just like, well, how can you beat this team now if this guy's caught fire like that? Yeah, yeah. he doesn't, and, and he'll go toe to toe with guys like LeBron. He 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 thinks that he can hang, and and he has had moments against those guys. I mean, how far has he come since being laughed at on the posts from LeBron in Game Three? To yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's um, I, I I miss I miss him dearly. That's all I can say. I guess I'm. I I'm bet. Proud of him. I bet. He's a guy you'd love to have on your team. Yep. I mean, yeah, hopefully this time next week we're we're previewing uh Suns Suns Jazz, I think. Uh, if I think we if we start. can get a series of Donovan Mitchell and Devin Booker going at each other, oh mate. That's that's, what that's I mean. Christmas. There's, there's so many like you've got the two veteran point guards who have been around for ages who haven't won a championship but you know well respected dudes. You've got these two young upstart sort of all-star guards now in Booker and, and Don Bridges and, and Royce O'Neal, while it's not exactly on yeah, paper was... this exciting thing, but, like, Bridges has been awesome this year. I've, I'm a massive Bridges. I think we're all... He's massive. one of my favourite players. Great. He can shoot the three ball, will defend the best perimeter player on the other team. Um, Aiton has been a revelation, I think, this series. You know, he's, yeah. he's really done a good job. He, he's just kind of done what he needed to do, hasn't done anything, overextended himself. He's, he's played his role perfectly. I imagine being a center and playing with Chris Paul would be awesome. It would be so Pretty fun. Sweet. I, yeah, I mean, he's setting you up for lobs all day. And then, yeah, the Jay Crowder thing, I think Jake and I were talking about this before we started recording. Like, Jay Crowder is like what you want out of a modern sort of four power forward. <laughs> and certainly on the flip side for the Jazz, you know, that's what Bogdanovich is for them as well. Great shooter. He can hold his own on the defensive end. So I, I think that that's these two teams. There's a lot of similarities, and certainly even going deep as well. We talk about Cameron Payne. Well, the, the Jazz have the Sixth Man of the Year in in, in Jordan Clarkson. They have Joe Ingles. They've they've got good contributors off the bench. So I there's a reason why these two teams were one and two in the regular season. And I, I, you know, if if this is what we get in the next round, that'll be awesome as well. I'd back that. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, it'd be, it'd be pretty cool, cool if. One and two in the East and West is our conference finals. When does that ever happen? 
Doesn't that always happen, like, pretty much? Like, the top two seeds often make the conference finals? I mean, outside of LeBron teams, because he always tanks the regular season. Yeah. I, th- I think, yeah, I, I think the big, the, for me, at least, and certainly in the in the West, I think the the surprising thing or the, the, the pleasant surprising thing is the fact that it's it's Utah and Phoenix. It's two yeah. small market mm. teams that, you know, when you look at the West and in the last decade, there's no Warriors, Steph Curry team here. There's no LeBron Lakers team. There's no, you know, whatever team KD was on before he went out East. Like it's, there's no sort of traditional superpower team That's here. It's, it's, yeah, no Spurs. So it's, in that sense, it's exciting. I mean, Phoenix haven't won a championship, or they have. Never they haven't, either. and Utah uh, haven't either. I, so, yeah. And even the Clippers, let's not write the Clippers out because the Clippers haven't yeah. either. So, yeah. Yeah, no, and like the, the Nets have never won. The Sixers has been a fucking million years. Dr. Like, J. Dr. J. I mean, the Bucks <laughs> haven't won since Kareem. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of teams here that, that would be very uh, – what's Jubilation? That's there's a word. Yeah, Ju- word. Yeah. Yeah. jubilant. <laughs> jubilant. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, <laughs> Huge jubilation. jubilation. <laughs> <laughs> all right, uh, fellas. Yeah. Well, I reckon that's pretty much all I got to talk about this week. Until we know a bit more about who's going to be playing who in the conference finals, which are going to be tremendous series. Um, but we can probably update on that next week. Yeah, we should, depending on what happens, we're going to be like in game six or seven range, I think, um, potentially. For mm-hmm. And uh, hopefully, we'd like a couple of these series to get to six. Hopefully. Yeah. That would be good because they've been pretty cut and dry so far. Well, that's the first round for you. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, until next week, you've been tuning into Backdoor Cut. My name is Josh DiMatteo here as always with Matt Beatty and Jake Eisenberg. Peace. Peace.